Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts here on Friday, just ahead of Nebraska's 17-person official visit weekend. Brunts, is this the most official visitors that we've had at one time? Yeah, I can't remember them getting much over 15 before. Yeah, 15 was the previous, and I, I think there's a couple game days where they've been around 15. Most notably, that 2017 Ohio State game, I think. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking. Yep, 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 yep. Which, you know, we we don't have to talk about that game ever again. But uh, Michael Parsons turned out okay. We'll just say that. Um, He was there for that game. Uh, He didn't have a great time. I know that. People (laughs) around him didn't have a great time. I know that, too. Yeah, he, uh, he, he, that that did not go very far (laughs) to help him choose Nebraska. But no. We digress. No. no. Yeah. So this is a big, big visit weekend um, for Nebraska, but we're going to start somewhere else. We're going to start with Nebraska's new defensive coordinator, Tony White. This is, is this the first name that was not on your, not on your list or wasn't previously a Nebraska coach last year to end up on the staff? Uh, we, we didn't have Terrence Knighton on our list. I think that was the only other. Okay. The only other guy that would not have shown up, but yeah, he was the f- he was the first name that was kind of like, oh, oh, this is a new one I wasn't expecting, and uh, I kind of like it. Yeah, uh, well, yes, I, I'm definitely intrigued by it. Tony White has, um, you know, a, a pretty rich history on the West Coast, and the funny the funny thing is the crossover there is is stems from when Matt Rule spent one year as a defensive line coach. UCLA and so you everyone knows of Matt Rule's experience all basically just being out east or with the the New York Giants or whatever but he does have that that experience of of being a Rocky Long's defensive line coach in 2001 Tony White on that team a well-regarded Bruin uh so the the crossover kind of starts there and I guess for me Brunts as I kind of look at it as you look at this this defense or you look at sort of Tony White as, as a guy who's been described multiple times as a disciple of Rocky Long, I am looking forward to blitzes that happen in Memorial Stadium that don't seem to start in Raymond uh, and have to try to get home because Nebraska just loved those delayed blitzes that never threatened the quarterback, and it just drove me nuts. And here with a three three five, you're going to be seeing people flying from all over the field. Yeah, the, the blitzes seem to basically get to about McCool Junction when the ball was released, I think. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, the three three five. Let's start there. So he's a Rocky Long disciple. Um, for anybody that has spent any amount of time watching Mountain West football. Which is uh, mostly you. Just me. Um, you, 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 gain an appreciate, you gain an appreciation for Rocky Long's defenses. They, they were very good. Those San Diego State teams were very consistent. Um, I think he was like 80 and 40 or like something mm-hmm. somewhere around there was his career mark at San Diego state. They won a lot of football games and it, it's an interesting defense because it, it allows you to mix and match. You can get into a, a five front pretty easily if you need to, um, you know, the, the initial design is basically we're going to, you know, take advantage of speed where maybe we don't have size, which that, that to me is, the, the one kind of question mark I have is how that plays in the Big Ten. But I think you can mix and match enough to where, you know, you can be pretty effective with it. And, and you know, as much as people kind of have in their mind that, you know, the the three yards in a cloud of dust that Wisconsin and Iowa and Minnesota do, the, the Big Ten is kind of slowly trending towards spread yeah. offenses. And the three three five, the one thing it does pretty well is it is it bottles up big plays and it really makes teams put together drives. And so I'll be I'll be interested to see how that works. But um I know that at least for me, and I, I know certainly for you, I mean, yesterday after that news broke that he was gonna be the hire for Nebraska, a lot of kind of unsolicited text messages oh, yeah. from people across the country of like, oh wow, that's that's a good hire. That they're, you know, that 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 guy's, you know, on the way up. So, you know, that that doesn't happen for every coach. And it, it was notable yesterday the volume and speed with which uh those text messages came in after that news broke. 
Well, and I think it's because, you know, and in, in using Brunt's parlance here, he checks a lot of boxes. I mean, he's a really well-regarded recruiter. He opens up the West Coast to you at a time in which UCLA and USC are going to be joining the Big Ten. So in theory, Nebraska should be able to recruit a little bit easier in California and, and uh, Arizona and places like that because there's going to be the opportunity to have a game um, back there or – the Big Ten brand is going to be more known in California, those sorts of things. Uh, so I, I think that that certainly helps. And then the fact that he's just a guy that has this track record of his players that he coached when he was a secondary coach generally had done pretty well. Like I said, he he was a recruiting coordinator for seven years at, at San Diego State. And they didn't put together monster classes, but they have guys that are, you know, on teams, on def charts and on practice squads in the NFL uh, so they, they were able to go find talent in, in a place where, you know, talent is plentiful, but talent is also pretty picked over. It's not like San Diego State was getting the pick of the litter. Um, and then he goes to Arizona State, has has good success there. Multiple of his guys either have ended up in the NFL or multi-year contributors. If you were going to watch something um, in the portal, I would keep an eye on Arizona State guys that might want to go somewhere where they can play uh, potentially. And you know, this is a you know, this isn't meant to be a joke, but it could be perceived as a joke. They might want to go somewhere where they can play in the postseason. I don't know that Nebraska necessarily has that track record at the moment, uh, but they want to get there, and maybe they can. There's there's several guys that he recruited uh, at Arizona State that are, are multi-year contributors or starters that may be leaving with that coaching change. And so that's something that you could watch for in the transfer portal. I just think this is a guy that when you, you hear other people – talk about him there's a lot of reverence for what he does he's a very thorough individual with the coaching side of it but he's also a very good communicator and the word genuine was used a lot uh and this is someone who just you know um seems like a good fit for matt rule on top of it from the people that that know him and and know uh, a little about matt rule they, they just feel like these are, are guys that work well even though it's a little bit outside of his tree which is a little different than what we've seen with the rest of the hires it's one that certainly has the potential, I think, to work really well. And then the other thing is, just hearing from people that know Tony White pretty well, this isn't a guy who's coming to Nebraska looking as a, as a, as a one- or two-year stop to the next thing. He chose Nebraska. He chose Nebraska over other opportunities, including going back to Arizona State and, and some other Power 5 uh, schools. You look at what's happening with Syracuse right now, it's very obvious that if he wanted to stick around, there's a potential path for him to be the, the head coach there. That's not what he wanted. That's not what his family wanted. They chose Nebraska. And and I think that's sort of an important part of the message. Yeah, you, you kind of going back to what you mentioned with the recruiting piece of it. Um, certainly California. I think I think when you have deep contacts in a state like California, I mean, I, I think a lot of people maybe get hung up on, you know, you got to get a, a top 247 guy out of the state every year, which, yeah, you take that for sure. But I think, you know, his connections and I, I was also noticing the the people on social media that were kind of noting that higher at Nebraska were not just, uh, you know, guys, you know, journalists, stuff like that. But you had seven on seven program guys. You had longtime high school coaches in the area that, that we got to know, um, you know, when the Calabrasca movement was a thing. Um you know, so having those connections, I think maybe allows you to find guys that might fit Matt Rule's profile a little bit more of guys that maybe aren't highly rated, maybe not highly recruited, but, um, you know, athletically kind of make do, do the things that you need for that defense or maybe what Matt Rule is looking for in offense. He's also a Texas native, has recruited there as well. So, you know, th there's a lot of value there. Uh, and kind of balancing, I think, a staff that to this point has been maybe a little bit more East Coast focused than what we're used to seeing at Nebraska in recent years. So I think that helps a ton. And I mean, you mentioned the, you know, kind of a personable, genuine guy. I mean, you've met him. Um, yeah. <laughs> strangely, yeah. strangely enough. Um, strangely enough. And, and that was the thing that you kind of mentioned that you recalled from that interaction as well. Yeah, it, it's fascinating because it, the hire happens and it's like, I, I kind of know that name. And then you're looking at the, the background. You're like, OK, San Diego State. And it just starts like, you know, you, you form that memory and it's like it's coming on a blitz from Raymond, too. 
and you can you can see it from far away and you're trying to, to put all the pieces together and yeah i mean i was at a uh, a hawkins high school game uh featuring joseph lewis and ashari crosswell and a whole bunch of names that people might remember circa 2016 2017 and tony white was there and and you mentioned this you can get really hung up on what college coaches or college analysts and, and those people say about a guy. But one of the things that always stands out to high school coaches is when someone's present, like even if they're not necessarily there to go watch a specific player, or there's a guy that's going to go to San Diego state. The thing about Tony white is he made himself present at all of these different schools throughout California. Like the coaches knew him. He took the time to talk to him. He built relationships with them and they, there's a there's an appreciation for that, and we watched that unfold. I mean, I I went back and I talked to the the James brothers that were running things at at Hawkins, and I was like, hey, I, I don't know if you saw the Tony White news, and they're like, oh yeah, we saw it. That's good for Nebraska. I was like, I'm pretty sure I I met him. He's like, yeah, he would make trips up, and you know, if we played on a Thursday, and it was a Thursday night game because I watched that right before going out to Calabasas on Friday, and and watching you know Tristan Jebbia. And Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Darnay Holmes, Johnny Wilson, uh, Brandon Radley Hiles. Oh, I watched a lot of people that weekend that they ended up, you know, some of them big careers, some of them no careers. So uh, just just kind of fascinating when you look back at that kind of stuff. But yeah, my interaction with Tony White it wasn't real long; it was like a half an hour, but it was a good conversation. He wanted to know, you know, just my thoughts on on Mike Riley. I mean, that was that was always a thing when you talk to coaches when you were out and they were out. They wanted to know how Mike Riley was fitting at Nebraska because it just felt very odd to them as West Coast guys. And so that was a portion of the conversation. And then I wanted to know about him because he was hes a sharply dressed guy. I mean, he was, he was really easy to talk to. And I could just kind of tell, like, this is someone that's probably going to be moving up in the world in college football. Like, this is a guy, you're going to go hire a secondary coach at Nebraska and they needed to go get a West Coast presence. That would have made sense to me at the time. And he ends up at Arizona State, and then he ends up at Syracuse. So, um, and the Syracuse thing might strike people as odd, but the background on that is is essentially he knew Dino Babers from UCLA. One of his mentors was previously the Syracuse defensive coordinator, who got tabbed by Mike Leach to join him at Mississippi State. He leaves to go to Mississippi State. The Syracuse job comes open. His mentor mentions it to Babers, who remembers White from UCLA put that together. He goes out to Syracuse and they have their best defensive run in, in several years. So um, it, it's interesting how all those things kind of come together. But Tony White, I think, is a, a really fascinating fit for Nebraska. Another recruiting coordinator, a guy with some power five experience, a younger guy. I mean, I think he's like 42. He's not real old. Um, uh, maybe maybe 42, 43. And he's, he's someone who's going to put in the work. And I, I think Nebraska is going to be better off with this hire. Yeah, I, I, I don't uh, – it, it was one of those where you kind of like – the name's a little bit on the left field. You, you kind of start reading a little bit. The on-the-field track record at Syracuse, I think, is is pretty good. Um, you know, numbers that Nebraska's defense certainly wouldn't have minded having over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, he'll, we'll see if he can replicate that. I mean, the, the thing that – kind of bears watching is how much Nebraska's current personnel fits that style of defense. I mean, I think there's some pieces that maybe work a little bit. The defensive line is one that, you know, it was going to need to kind of be rebuilt anyways, but I think with the change in style, you need to make sure that there's the right pieces there, especially that kind of big Damian Daniels type, nose tackle that Nebraska, I mean, you know, Nash Hutmacher maybe could be that guy, but you, you need some other options there. I think if you're going to kind of make that work in the big 10. Brunts, I'd like to see Nebraska recruit guys that look like me. And I don't mean the giant beard or the, uh, you know, whatever else. I mean, I want someone that is, is big and you can just stick in the middle of a defensive line and he's going to eat space. I eat space on a couch, a defensive lineman that can eat space with the offensive line. I mean, that's what Nebraska needs. And they just haven't. I mean, we, we watched it with Tony Tuyote. I saw it with Mike Dawson. I, I don't understand. They'd make these offers. And I'm like, you can, if there was a way in our system that you could basically just plug in like six foot two, 305 pounds, there's probably 
40 of those kids that have been offered in the last three years by Nebraska, none of them ever visited. And I never understood why the emphasis wasn't put on finding a guy to stick in the middle of that defensive line. Because when it flipped for Damian, and it took a little bit to get there, but when it flipped, he was as valuable as a player as Nebraska had on that defense, maybe short of JoJo Doman. And I would argue some of JoJo Doman's value his senior year came explicitly because of what Damian Daniels could do in terms of eating space up there. I, I mean, I, I don't know that he's was so talented that he's an NFL guy, but he was talented enough that, you know, it was a big loss for Nebraska when he just chose to, to move on at the end of last year. Yeah, I think I think there's an avenue that Nebraska needs to maybe. Pers- I I don't know how heavy Matt Rule is going to get in JUCO recruiting, but it feels like that's that body's in JUCO for sure. Yeah, I mean it, this time of year you see a lot of school like you kind of have that wave like the guys that are like the elite type defensive linemen get those offers in like July and and, and August and September, and then this time of year is where you kind of start to see you know, some offers of guys that maybe had some group five offers. And then you start seeing a few power five offers pop up. I don't know if that's an avenue that Nebraska is going to pursue a lot. It's there if they want to do it, especially in Kansas. And, you know, the portal's tough to do that stuff. You can find guys, but um, everybody's looking in the portal for, for that size and, and, you know, especially track record at defensive line. So that that's, more broadly, I think my one of my bigger concerns on the defense is how you get that right up front and, uh, you know, kind of restocking things a little bit. So, um, I mean, I guess they have a chance to potentially do that a little bit starting this weekend, but um, we can get into that too, kind of where things are headed with the visit weekend. Yeah, well, let's dive into that visit list then a little bit. I mean, you have a number of commits that are already uh, going to be using their second official visit with Nebraska to come back, uh, we're talking Jaden Doss. We're talking Maverick Noonan, Gunnar Gatula, Brock Knutes, and Sam Sledge. And then uh, elsewhere, Dylan you have guys also. like Malachi, Dylan Rogers as well. You have Malachi Coleman, Cameron Lenhart, uh, who previously were committed to Nebraska. They're able to use that clause as well, where you can take that second official visit to the same school if there's a coaching change. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if both of those guys end up back in the class. As far as guys that aren't committed, um, and that's kind of where I want to focus this right now, Andrew Metzger, I guess he is committed to Colorado, but not committed to Nebraska. Six foot five, 235-pound tight end out of Colorado. Brunt, I, I love that they are going back to this school because I remember when Jack Stoll was, was a commit uh, for Nebraska, and I remember like checking in with him about his stats each week. And he's like, yeah, I had one catch for 12 yards and we won 49 to seven and we ran for 600 yards and we threw for 45 and I had 12 of those 45 yards. And like, that's the kind of program that it is. But I also think those are the kind of tight ends that Nebraska is going to get the most out of right now. Like they're, they, they're going to get more out of like Travis Vokalek would be a really ideal tight end for this, this team. Like he can do, he can do a little bit in the passing game, but he's not Austin Allen. He's not, you know, um, trying to think of another example, like a Thomas Fedoni body type. Like just someone that's just going to be up there that's more of a block first tight end, I think is where this is going to go for Nebraska. Yeah, it's interesting, though. Metzger's, if you watch his highlights, they're pretty good. Like he's a pretty fluid kid. Um, you know, he's I, got I was... three, he had 336 yards, six touchdowns. It wasn't, you know, I think Jack Stoll, either his junior year, had 49 yards receiving, and he had offers from, like, all of these colleges. So it's not the exact same, but yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he's – you lose Ben Bramer to Iowa State this week. I think Nebraska kind of sensed that that was coming um, because with, with Metzger, I mean, they've been out to Colorado twice already. Uh, Matt Rule was in home with Hayden Moore earlier this week. I think Metzger was kind of a, another reason to make that trip. Certainly Hayden Moore and his, what, 197 tackles or whatever uh, that he had, speaking of huge numbers, um, was a reason, He's too. He's at Michigan but, this weekend, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, but Metzger, I, I think, would be a really nice addition to the class. It, I don't know about you, but it feels like Nebraska still might need to get involved tight end-wise in the portal if somebody fits. Um, you just need some some guys that are ready to help there, and there's just not a lot of proven depth. So. Um, 
you know, it's interesting too, when you kind of talk about that, that profile, I mean, Chase Androff was kind of the same way where he was in a run heavy offense in high school. And, you know, I, I would kind Good of point. say that he was a little bit more towards that bent as well, but um, getting Metzger on campus as quickly as he, as he has, um, you know, I, I think is noteworthy. And the fact that, you know, he's a guy that Colorado hasn't dropped yet, even though they've been dropping re- commits left and right um, post coach prime hire um, signals to me that at least they're willing to keep him. So uh, might be a little bit more of an elbows out battle there, but I think Nebraska's done a, a good job of identifying him. Yeah. We got a couple, a uh, couple guys from West side here and Jalen Lloyd, Tristan Alvano, uh, both sort of known to us. And I think known now to, to the fan base at large, Jalen Lloyd, mostly known as a track guy, but as we saw with the Bryce Turner commitment earlier this week, uh, Nebraska is willing to, to to play that game right now and, and see what they can sort of get uh, from somebody that has an elite athletic trait, but maybe is a raw football player in Jalen Lloyd. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the profile, um, you know, bring in, bring in speed, bring in athletes and kind of figure out where they go. By the way, I mean, Nebraska track and field, how, how much have they benefited from Matt rule so far? Oh, potentially add two really, really great runners. Um, you know, just just based on uh, that profile, I mean that that's not a bad one-two punch there. Yeah, they're, maybe they're going to have their recruiting meetings together in the spring. Uh, here's a guy that I believe that you chatted with, right? Or maybe it was BC. I apologize. There's there's only been seven thousand stories since Monday. Uh, yeah. Kai Wallen from American uh-huh. River Community College, Sacramento, California. What do we know about Kai? Yeah, he uh, he and I both from Carmichael, California. Um, he's wow. a guy. He's a guy. He, he didn't. He had really light interest out of high school. Uh, went the JUCO route. He was a full qualifier, and Nebraska sent a uh, Joey Connors out in October to Sacramento. They offered him. It was kind of an. It, it's a tough spot, right? Because at that point, Nebraska didn't know who its head coach was going to be. Mickey Joseph was kind of still in the mix publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a, here's your offer. We'll, we'll call you. We'll keep in contact kind of thing. Um, fast forward to this week, uh, Terrence Knighton and Omar Hales go out to Sacramento, meet with him, uh, lock in an official visit for this weekend. He's a 6'5", 240-pound edge rusher, had a really good freshman year there. Um, the other schools involved, he's visited Kansas. He's visited Oregon State. Um, he's got Indiana on the docket next week. Indiana actually, back when I talked to him in October, was a school that had been recruiting him for a long time. He, he said that he was talking to him every day, so um, that's maybe not one to overlook. But um, he, he's kind of in, in this big visit weekend, maybe been kind of pushed to the back a little bit, even though he's a potential, um, you know, kind of right out of the gates contributor for you based on size and, and maybe contributions so far at the JUCO level. Yeah. The last name I want to mention, and we'll hit on some of the transfer portal players. Andrew Ivins is going to join the podcast here in a little bit. We'll definitely be talking about Jeff Sims. Uh, but I, I, I want to mention Quentin Ivis, the uh, wide receiver running back extraordinaire from Palmyra, New Jersey, six foot three, 180 pounds. This is 100% Nebraska betting on its development track record because Quentin his last visit was to Monmouth last weekend. So there's there's a sizable difference between Nebraska and Monmouth in terms of college football. And for, for Nebraska, they look at this as a guy that is huge frame, that they think is a better athlete than people might give him credit for. Ran track, his numbers aren't super explosive, but they like something in that athletic profile in addition to that frame. And again, it's a bet on their development where if they get this commitment if it works after two years, great. If it doesn't, maybe they can help place them at a place like Monmouth. You know, it's that kind of thing. And so they're going to take a chance. And this is the kind of class when you're in a transition year, Brunts, where you get to maybe do that a little bit more because you don't have those pre-established relationships. You're kind of coming into it a little bit late and you're trying to fill in what you can with your class. You don't know who's going to stay in and who's going to jump out still at this point with uh, a little less than two weeks to go before signing day. Yeah, he's he's a a longtime EJ Barthel target. I know he was recruiting him pretty hard when he was at UConn, even though they hadn't offered there. But uh, 
correct me if I'm wrong, that he's like in one A football in in New Jersey, right? It's like pretty small size. It's small. It's definitely small. But he ran for almost 1,700 yards. Um, you know, it was productive at least, and that that's that to me is at least a place where you can kind of start a little bit because. Mm-hmm. You know, previous production generally begets new production. So, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, total evaluation, total development, but I, I think there's at least enough intrigue there um, on, on Barthel's part to, to really kind of pursue that. Absolutely. All right, Brunson, is there anything else we want to hit here today? Do we what want to hit transfers got? or do we not? Well, we can definitely hit transfers. I mean, they're, they're bringing in, and I, I'm going to, botched the name so i'm just gonna say cornelius from rhode island the right tackle uh i think this is you know i've heard that this is a top five guy in the transfer portal i think this is going to be a really big battle nebraska oregon getting early visits here i don't know when he's going to make a decision but Nebraska's getting an opportunity and that's really important their connections out east i think are going to be pretty helpful in this regard uh but i i think this is an opportunity you're hosting an offensive lineman uh, a guy that's a multi-year starter, someone that can come in and start for you right away. You basically can promise him a starting position because it's true. I mean, you, maybe you're not promising that he's a guaranteed starter, but you can promise him that the pathway to being a starter in Nebraska is pretty similar to what it is at Rhode Island for him right now. So um, it's a situation where I think it's a, a really interesting uh, person that they have coming out this first weekend. They have a long snapper. Uh, which caught me by surprise a little bit. I don't know, was was that on our list of things that Nebraska needed to add in this class? Uh, well, I mean, I think we were probably looking elsewhere first, if we're being honest. But um, <laughs> Holders, right? We were clocking Yeah, yeah we, we were really focused on holders. Um, Br- Brady Wees, the, the last graduate mm-hmm. transfer long snapper, he, he's done. Um, That's what I so- thought. I said it on a radio program, and then I realized I wasn't 100% if I knew that or not, but I just pretended like I did. You were tiptoeing in the weeds on the long snapping. He, a little uh, bit. yeah, he, he's, he's done. I think they've had, um, you know, they need help there. They need immediate help. So, uh, Marco Ortiz from Florida, um, is your, your long snapper visitor. Um, he was on scholarship there the last two years. So, uh, he was at least well thought of and, um, so yeah, that, that's your long snapper update, and yeah. and then Elijah Judy from yeah, t- Texas a Tell me about him a little bit. You talked to him. The Tony White thing kind of makes that a little bit more interesting to me. Um, with, with where Nebraska maybe sits there, can you kind of break that down for us before we get out of here? Well, let's start with this. So the Tony White thing is also interesting, and in that Syracuse is going to get the next visit for. Um, Elijah Judy. And I would have to imagine that Tony White has known about Elijah Judy a little bit and uh, probably would have corresponded. And so I think that's only going to help Nebraska's chances now that their defensive coordinator is Tony White and someone who's familiar with Elijah Judy. He's a Philadelphia guy. Uh, He didn't get to take any official visits because he's part of the 2021 class. And so when I asked him what he was looking forward to, he basically was like, I don't know what to expect because I never got to do it. But he did try to really stress I'm approaching this recruitment different than I did in high school. All that really matters to me is finding a place that I feel like I can play and not somewhere that it just is going to look good. And so I I don't know if that's going to make fans feel great. Like if you were to pick Nebraska, because it's like, oh, he came here. He doesn't care if it looks good or not. But I think Elijah Judy is a sort of transfer portal guy that, you know, if on one hand you have Cornelius from Rhode Island with multi-year starter that everybody wants, you have a guy in Elijah Judy that's a former top 247 player that people are very intrigued by, but only has two tackles in his career at Texas A&M and hasn't played that much. And so he's got three years or three seasons of eligibility, and he's someone that can help you on your defense, but you don't have film on him. And so that's that makes it really sort of interesting. So you're going off of the high school eval. You're going off of spring footage. You're going off of talking to your contacts in the industry. That's why guys like Elijah Judy, it's kind of like in basketball. You know, it's a little bit more like those basketball transfers. Tim Miles knew that Terran Petaway had some talent. I don't think that he thought Terran Petaway was going to be good enough that he could carry the team to the NCAA tournament with help from Walter Pitchford and a few other guys. I mean, so it's it's one of those things where you're banking on there's a reason everybody was interested in him out of high school. Maybe we can unlock whatever that is. And so I think that's what Elijah Judy is. Colorado's in the mix. They're certainly going to be interesting with Deion Sanders and, and you know, 
Mike Zimmer as defensive coordinator. Uh, excited to see how that goes. And then Boston College is actually the team probably to watch even more than Nebraska uh, because of relationships that were forged there early on in his high school recruitment. Uh, because of relationships from the high school with Boston College, would keep a strong eye on Jeff Halfley and the Eagles. And that, I believe, is his last visit. He's taking this into – no, he's uh, he's doing a midweek with Boston College. His last visit will be Colorado right before the start of uh, the enrollment period, if you will, for a lot of these schools. So Elijah Judy, pretty interesting guy. Uh, I, I want to throw this at you. Let me know what you think. We've – in the background of everything that's been going on with Nebraska football, really since 2019, there's been this building that's being built that is slowly starting to come into focus. This is going to be their football center. It's not going to be done for these guys, but maybe more now than ever with what Matt rule gets to do in terms of recruiting, it feels like they're really going to ramp up the fact that they're going to have this sparkling new facility that if these guys commit and sign with Nebraska, they're going to be in that facility as early as this summer. Have you seen it? Have you seen it recently? Have you I have not there? been by recently. It like it looks like a building. Like you can, <laughs> like what, what what I mean by that. What I, a sales pitch! I know Michael it's a building. Wow, do you, do you, is that the sort of thing they put on book jackets? It's yeah. a book. It's a book. It's got walls and everything. Plumbing, HVAC. We've got the works. Um, we spared no expense. Wow, lighting. there's not even outhouses. There's electricity. There's electricity and indoor plumbing. Um, no, like you can see, like the design of the front of it now, and that that wasn't the case maybe a couple months ago. And you know, I, I think you know it's one thing to you know have a a, a PowerPoint presentation of what's going to be in there or renderings, or renderings, or you know the zoom through tour of it with you know the fake people that are you know comically too large for the building but you you can see it now and you can see the size of it and you can kind of see okay this is like a it's like a football death star over there now it's just it's huge so um that that's i think that's kind of coming together at the right time even though it's still you know, being built and you've got guys welding at the most inopportune times during press conferences. I think for this coaching staff, they can pretty easily come to these recruits who are visiting transfer guys who are visiting. Even if, even if transfer guys say, I'm going to approach this totally differently. I'm going to, I'm looking for fit, all this other stuff. It's still a nice little bell and whistle to kind of be like, Oh, by the way, there's this $150 million building over here, just in case, um, you know, that that's a consideration to you. So it's uh, it's it, the timing there as well. And like I said, the fact that they have uh, basic amenities like plumbing and, and electrical wiring are, are positive things there, too. Yeah, I, I would imagine that you've got to get the plumbing mentioned on the mailers that you send out when you talk about the new building. Yep, uh, that's the sort of thing that can really help you. Uh, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but did you just say like a new Death Star. It's huge. It's it's just yeah. like so. That's you, that's what I thought I heard, and then I immediately started laughing to myself because I imagined the fan host as the new stormtroopers. Yeah, just rolling around with their uh, you know never never hitting anything with their little shooters. So um, yeah. that was uh, that was, does good imagery right there. Yeah, good good uh, good big big football facility. <laughs> All right, Brunts, appreciate your time this morning. I'm gonna I'm gonna relieve you of your duties. When we come back on this podcast, we're going to welcome in Andrew Ivins from 24-7 Sports. We're going to get into why every analyst at 24-7 Sports is geeking out over Matt Rule, how Bryce Turner ends up with an 88 rating. Could Cameron Lenhart end up in Nebraska's class? We're going to talk about Jeff Sims. We're going to just have a generally good time and uh, looking forward to it. So stick around. Conversation with Andrew Ivins is coming up next. Brunce, appreciate your time this morning and the uh, the Star Wars joke that I now have to work with. Always happy to do so. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you. All right, everybody stick around. We'll be back with more after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer here, joined now by Andrew Ivins of 24-7 Sports, one of our great national team analysts. Does a lot of coverage down in the Southeast. Andrew, welcome to the Husker 24-7 podcast. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm assuming an exciting time uh, to be covering Nebraska football. This is this is the the good times, right? You know, when you get everyone's <laughs> excited. Well, as as you know, it's customary now for the last six years. December and January have been the best months for Nebraska football by by a long shot. And it's not because they played games in those months either for the last six years. So I think people around here are hoping that maybe September and October and November can elicit the same sort of joyful response that the offseason has, but that still has to, that still has to sort of be earned. I want to, I want to ask you this because I, it's, it's kind of fascinating to me from, from the perspective I'm in now, Nebraska hires Matt rule and almost every analyst that I've heard from inside the 24 seven sports network is absolutely jacked about this. Like why is Matt rule such a popular coach among recruiting analysts or even just inside 24 sub? Uh, you know, it's, it all comes back to the scouting and the projection side. And, uh, you know, I've actually, it's funny because we were, we've seen some, some blowback from Nebraska fans on social media or whether it be, you know, on a message board, they're like, Oh, we don't care that this kid has X track time and, and whatnot. I think for us, we just love Matt rules philosophy and he's one of the best at identifying unknown hidden NFL talent. And does that mean he's going after all these guys are going to make an impact day one? No, Uh, but he's taking the approach where he's getting guys that two, three, four years down the line are going to be playing at an extremely high level. And they're going to have what the NFL is looking for. If you go back to his time at Temple, when he was there in Philly, he knew he was never going to out-recruit Penn State. He was never going to out-recruit Pittsburgh. So he had to find the next best thing. That was the guys that weren't ranked as high, but they had traits. And he developed a ton of NFL players while he was at Temple. It was the same thing at Baylor. When he went to Baylor, he was taken over from the Art Bryles scandal, all that stuff. I mean, it was the lowest of lows. So him and his staff, and it's really kind of been the same guys that have followed him around, kind of his soldiers, you know, they're super big on, on the speed. They're super big on the length. They're super big on the multi-sport data. And Evan Cooper has, I think, one of the greatest lines out there. And Chris Hummer for 24-7 Sports, back when, like, we had the analytics boom uh, and, and Rule was at Baylor, so before he left for the Panthers, he did kind of a profile on their approach. And Evan Cooper said, hey, if we're going to miss, we're going to miss fast. So, uh, I, we, like, for us, we, we eat all that stuff up because we're trying to get our rankings – um, to reflect the NFL, that's when we're judged right now, right? So we put a big emphasis on on the mo- same thing as them, the the traits. And, uh, you know, why does that matter? Uh, I looked it up before the podcast. This past NFL draft, what, 280 picks, 68% of them participated in track and field while in high school. Go back to 2021, that number was 67%. So what are we saying? If a guy does track and field and they have good numbers, you know, it's an indicator that they could be potentially selected one day. So I think for us, like we're just fired up to see how he approaches this thing. I don't think they're going to go for all these completely diamond in the roughs, but they're going to go for guys that they think can make it to the next level. And some of these guys on the staff are just at the next level. So that's a that's that that's the big thing. When when you have a coach like that that you're sort of intrigued by their philosophy, does it make you reconsider a recruit if they go ahead and offer a guy and it was someone that maybe you'd seen before? Do you sort of feel like you have to kind of relook at that if they weren't at a level where you think like a power five school would be offering? For sure. For sure. And, you know, that I think applies to all, you know, not just Matt Rule in Nebraska, but there's there's some examples out there. And I'm not saying we alter our rankings because, hey, this school offered like, oh, Alabama offered. Now we got to we got to change it. I mean, we try to stick by what we think. But, for example, Charlie Partridge, the defensive line coach there at the University of Pittsburgh. I mean, that guy. Um, has turned lemons into lemonade. I mean, he, he, he finds some and he turns them around. So anytime early on in the process, I see Partridge offer a defensive lineman in my region, I'm going to do a double, triple check and be like, Hey, what is this guy seeing? So yeah, I I definitely, and, and with rule, the other thing I think that 
excites me is is just how he's going to approach and recruit because obviously we know where Nebraska is. It's not the most NFL talent rich state. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it already looks like he's recruiting across the country, right? He's got offers out in Idaho. He's got offers out in Florida. And, um, it, and to answer your question, really, I mean, last night, uh, I know Nebraska has offered a lineman out of, I think Virginia or Maryland, uh, Chimdi Ono. I yep. say his, his name is, and I'm, I know I'm butchering that. So I apologize, but, not in my region. Someone just tossed it. I mean, we were all watching him last night and, you know, yeah, we are doing a double take on him because this guy had kind of slipped through the cracks, committed to old dominion. We dig into the profile has insane shot numbers. And how does that correlate? Well, you're explosive as a lineman through the hips. Um, so yeah, definitely. Sometimes those offers go out and we have to take a, take a peek under the hood and, and figure out what's going on. All right. So the, the other day, and I think this kind of ties it all together. The other day, Nebraska offers the number one, recruit in Idaho for 2024, uh, Gatlin Bear, wide receiver. He put out his top 11. I don't know all 11 off the top of my head, but Nebraska, Michigan, and a handful of uh, Mountain West Pac-12 schools, basically. You you immediately just quote tweeted it with peak Matt Rule offer. Within two hours, Nebraska gets their first commit in the, in the Matt Rule era. And it is a guy that very few people had really heard of in Bryce Turner and he's got 10 to speed in the hundred. Uh, it was wind dated, but still 10 to speed in the hundred and he's six foot two, 180 pounds kind of buried out there in Bay city, Texas. And I was thinking to myself, like if you had only waited just a couple hours, you could have went with peak Matt rule commitment there with Bryce <laughs> Turner. And it's, it's funny because Gatlin bear is the number one player in Idaho. So he's obviously, he's a known quantity. But he possesses a lot of the same qualities that they went out with this Bryce Turner guy and took a commitment for right away. I think they're going to just recruit what they believe in and they're going to stick to what they want to do. And and for an an example, I go back to when Rule was at Baylor and there was a wide receiver by the name of Tyquan Thornton. He was down here in in Miami. He was at Booker T. Washington, an inner city kid really blew blew up kind of summer before senior season. Uh, both Florida, Miami were involved kicking the tires, but the one school that wanted that kid was Baylor, and that was because of his track times. I think he was – I don't know the classification, but he was the 400-meter champ. They call it the quarter horse. I mean, this guy, this guy could fly. But the knocks and the disqualifiers from, from the Gators and the Hurricanes was always oh, he's, he's lean – He's thin, you know, we don't, they were, they were all focused on what he he can't do. And it seems like Baylor was focused on what he could do. And that was fly. And, and Tyquan Thornton goes on um, to Baylor as a successful career runs a four, two, eight at the NFL combine selected in the second round by the new England Patriots. And he's suiting up for them right now. So, you know, I, I, th- I think they're, they're going to block out the noise. It's going to be head scratching a little bit, but he's got a track record. I mean, if these guys panning out, I wouldn't be surprised if, if two to three years now, one of the biggest pro days out there uh, when, when scouts hit the road, right? What is that? April, uh, May, you know, Nebraska is going to be like trade city. There's going to be NFL executives flying into there. I mean, heck, at this most recent NFL scouting combine, the top three players, two of them were Baylor graduates. Uh, the third one, Tyreek Woolen, was a cornerback out of UTSA who was having a heck of a rookie year. He was a guy that rule took the Baylor job, almost flipped him from UTSA, just couldn't do it, ran out of time. So you'd have the top three guys at the NFL combine and 40 yard dashes, and none of them were ranked high. Hmm. That's really interesting. So Nebraska's got their first visit weekend with Matt Rule coming up here. Double digit visitors coming in, a little bit of a misnomer because with that rule change where you can retake the official visit with a coaching change they have. Quite a few commitments in, including uh, a guy that you know very well and Dwight Poodle, but another guy that you know very well, taking his second official visit to Nebraska in Cameron Lenhart. This is someone that I have a tough time with because the body type doesn't match up with like a position that I can just visualize him at. And I know from talking with you at IMG Academy, he's kind of done several different things. So if Nebraska and Matt Rule see a good fit there, it wouldn't surprise me if Cameron Lenhart ends up back in the class. But you've seen this guy now for a couple of years. What do you make of him? 
And and how could he sort of fit with what you know about Matt Rule and, and how those teams have come together at Baylor and Temple? Well, he's a tweener all the way. And what does that mean, tweener? I mean, it's it's in between one position uh, or two positions, I should say. He started off at IMG Academy, arrived there from New York and was an outside edge defender, dropped back into the coverage. I think he actually got snaps as like a slot defender in certain situations. And then this season, I mean, IMG completely revamped their defense, uh, brought in a ton of talent. And, and Brian Niedemeyer, who used to work at Tennessee, took over as a defensive coordinator. So he was running like SEC fronts. And they'd made the decision to bump Cameron Linhart up into uh, up, up into a hand-in-the-dirt interior defensive line player. I think he's kind of working as like a four-eye, three-tech in certain situations. And I'll be honest. He had a ton of success. Uh, I remember watching him in the preseason. And then, you know, I periodically will watch games, you know, every other game for them I'm watching, depending on the opponent. And he flashes just as a guy that can bring some juice up the middle. Um, and he doesn't really kind of – he's not a refined, polished pass rusher. So that leads me to believe he has even more upside. But I like to get off with him. Kind of reminds me of this kid last year, Zane Durant, who was from the Central Florida area. Same thing. You know, not the tallest individual, um, not the longest individual, but he went to Penn State uh, and they were raving about him. I think he got some snaps as a freshman. So right there in the Big Ten. And I think Cam's this the same thing. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Rule and his staff are looking at him. Hey, I don't really know what he is, but I know he's a good football player. I know that he can move laterally. I know he can change direction. So I think it would be an interesting take. Now, is he going to be a guy that plays – 50 snaps for Nebraska? Probably not. Uh, but when you're facing a a spread offense, I mean, look, let's not forget, uh, you got Lincoln Riley coming to the conference at some point down the line. He can come in in the middle and, and provide a, a pass rushing presence, or you can play him in some exotic fronts in certain situations. So he's, he's not going to be everyone's flavor, but he could definitely be Matt Rule's flavor. Um, and he could go there, and I, I think he could find a ton of success at Nebraska, and he's a great kid. Talk to anyone around IMG, they love him. Yeah, you, the the last part there, when he committed the first time, I remember talking to you and, and doing a story. You love the intangibles with him. I mean, isn't he a captain at IMG and, and really highly regarded in that locker room? Yeah, and I think that stuff's important. I mean, IMG is, it's essentially like they're going off to college, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of those guys, they kind of either they get there and they flourish or they get there and they wash out. I mean, there's there's a ton of kids people don't realize will go into IMG Academy as juniors and they'll leave really fast. It's just, it's a lot. And, you know, do I know if it's the right thing? I, I'm not sure, but you have to grow up and be a man pretty early on. But I also think that that type of atmosphere allows for alphas to rise to the occasion. I'm not saying Cam is like the alpha of alpha in there, but he's definitely a team leader. Uh, and again, I mean, he was starting over – um, two really highly ranked 2024s, guys that are probably going to finish in the top 64 for us in the ranking. So, wow. I mean, yes, he's a tweener, but he's out playing some of these big boys that we anticipate being, you know, potential five stars in the next cycle. Maybe the most surprising name on Nebraska's visit list is former Georgia Tech quarterback Jeff Sims, a, a guy whose athleticism and just athletic traits have sort of always just jumped out to evaluators. Um, I I think the best way I can sort of describe my thoughts on Jeff Sims is it feels like he has like tantalizing potential, mm -hmm. but it's it's as wide of a range on the high floor, low ceiling as you can sort of get with a quarterback. Like this isn't this isn't a guy that's just a game manager. This is a guy who can make a play anywhere on the field, but you don't always know that it's going to be the safest play. Right. I think Sims is the type of quarterback right now where he's going to win you some games you shouldn't. And he's also probably going to lose you some games that you shouldn't lose. Right. He's just kind of all over the place. And that's really been the case. I mean, this is a guy that I saw do all the camps. I saw him play seven on seven. Saw him at the Elite 11 finals out in Texas. Right. Saw him uh, play a game his senior season. I was up in Jacksonville to see him. And then remember, I mean, he was committed to Florida State throughout the recruiting process. Florida State, they hire Mike Norvell. They don't want him at the last minute. He lands at Georgia Tech. Well, Georgia Tech plays Florida State early on that season. I think it was week one. Yeah, um, it was. On the road, yep. Sims goes and beats FSU. And I, I mean, to me, 
I mean, I'll be honest. I think I probably bet against Jeff Sims in that game, and, <laughs> and, he, and he proved me wrong, right? I mean, because you, right. you see the kid, and you know he's still just all over the place, but the potential is there. And to compare it, I mean, if we're all watching ESPN right now, right? They keep talking about Anthony Richardson and Will Levis and these guys that aren't, you know, they aren't complete products, but everyone thinks that they could be the guy or the evaluators mm -hmm. think their staffs could be the ones that untap that potential. So I still think the best football is ahead for Jeff Sims. You know, this season, kind of one of the reasons why he's leaving Georgia Tech, just talking to some people inside his camp is he got dinged up, hurt his ankle, had turf toe. Uh, remember they had the coaching change. Jeff Collins is out. Brent Key takes over an NRM basis. I think Key wanted to rush Sims back onto the field. Sims wanted to protect himself. And I, I just don't think that was a marriage between those two. I think he was maybe more of a Collins guy. That's why he's exploring his options. But no, uh, he can beat you with his legs. I don't consider him a run first quarterback in any way. Uh, but he can also air it out. And he he too, I mean, it's been a few years since I've been around him, but he's also got like a vibrant, glowing personality, huge smile. Um, so I'm a fan. And I, you know, the portal, the portal right now is just, just wild, especially with quarterbacks. I've had this conversation with a few coaching coaches and contacts in the industry. Like I think quarterback recruiting, as we know it on, on December 5th and December 6th, I think it, it just got flipped upside down. I mean, think of how many guys in the portal have started games or played meaningful snaps. And, and, you know, I, I think we might recalibrate how we do this whole thing in terms yeah. of schools, you know, chasing after some projects in high school. Hey, well, I know come December, I can find one of these guys. And, and is Sims the best guy in the portal right now? I have the best resume. Probably not. Uh, but he's also thrown over 600 passes. Um, he has also won, beat two, Two ranked opponents. He he beat Pitt. I think it was last season, two years ago. Then he bit, beat North Carolina. So what? He, he's been in big moments, right? And that's what you kind of want. This guy's seen bullets before. Um, his O line doesn't really protect. Didn't really protect him. I think he was sacked fifty one times. So I still think he has a chance to unlock some more. And I think he's a guy that could win games in the Big Ten. There's two things that really sort of make this seem very plausible to me. The first being the rule. Collins relationship I assume is still pretty good to the point where you're going to be checking in with your guy if, if you're looking at his former quarterback and so I would imagine that Matt Rule would certainly have that conversation with Jeff Collins and then the other thing and you can tell me if I'm just completely wrong here Nebraska's new offensive coordinator spent this past year with a similar kind of player in Spencer Rattler like all the sort of like athletic traits but also just that big combustibility it wasn't perfect by any means at South Carolina, but as we saw in those final couple of weeks with Marcus Satterfield and with Spencer Rattler, they could have a really dangerous offense when it all kind of came together. Do you think they could be seeing that a little bit with Jeff Sims? I do, and that goes back to what I said. He's gonna he's gonna win you some games you probably shouldn't win, and then he might lose you some games that you probably shouldn't lose or ones you haven't chalked up as losses i think a great term for jeff sims is streaky he's a, he's a streaky individual i think he's always been a streaky individual i think he's trying to snap out of that uh, but when he's on he can be on i've seen that going back to, to again seven on seven i know it's certain shorts but i think seven on seven sometimes is a great evaluator because the quarterback's got to make a decision quickly right and then it's rep 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 so if a guy gets in his groove you know, you can see how he how he performs at number one in the face of adversity or 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 when he's when he's thriving. And I do, uh, you know, Satterfield, I think, is also kind of a creative play caller from what I saw at uh, at, at of his time at South Carolina. Um, and, and with, like with Spencer, I mean, he's not a run first guy, but he can also beat you with your legs. Right. So that unlocks a few different things. And, and Sims coming out was one of the most athletic guys. Uh, I think what is that the class of 2020? It, it was. Yeah. Yeah, so um, no, for for sure, I could see them, you know, figuring some things out, scheming some things. Out. I mean, he can do the RPOs if you want him to, but I don't think you're going to want to do the RPOs every game. Um, but you know, he 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 is athletic. The the last thing for you here, uh, Andrew. Appreciate your time as always. If Nebraska is rumored to be actually, it's not even rumored. I mean, we're we're reporting Nebraska's hiring Tony White. Uh, as their defensive coordinator, he spent the last couple of years at Syracuse helping kind of put the the Orangemen in position that they can sort of compete despite having 
maybe a lesser quality of athlete on defense with, with the recruiting that they're able to do in the Northeast. Tony White is another recruiting coordinator. EJ Barthol was a recruiting coordinator. Um, Evan Cooper was a recruiting coordinator. What kind of value do you think you get on a staff when you assemble guys that have this sort of brand of experience where you're talking about multiple recruiting coordinators, multiple FCS head coaches, multiple power five coordinators. Like what, what does that tell you about a staff that Matt rule has sort of assembled there? Even if you're erasing the names and you're just putting the titles in the resumes that they've done to me, it sure feels like they've, they've got a veteran group here. It does. And that's kind of the beauty in hiring Matt rule, right? I mean, what I said, I loved fit at Nebraska when this, when he was first identified as the guy, I mean, it was all about his player development, roster building uh, philosophy and, and how, how he was going to probably turn that thing around, just seeing what he did at Temple, seeing what he did at Baylor. Um, but when, you know, when you hire a coach like this, who has had success, has been to the NFL, good coaches want to work for him. And I don't think, the average college football fan really puts that together. I mean, it's great to sit on the couch and fantasize, Hey, let's get this offensive coordinator and he'll be our guy. Right. But there are people with families that have to move across the country and you want to, you want to invest in someone or, or, or take a job where you believe in the person ahead of you, you believe that there's going to be success there. So that's the first thing I think with rule, right? Guys want to work with him. Guys like him. He's got a big tree. Um, and there's people outside his inner circle that are, that are gonna that are gonna come inside, and uh, you know it's gonna come down to rule managing these individuals. You don't want too many too many cooks in the kitchen, but having guys that can identify talent, having having guys like like Tony White at, at Syracuse. There, I mean, they don't get the best of the best players, but they've had, turned out a ton of draft picks in that secondary. I think they always do a good job uh, of finding guys in that back seven. Uh, so that certainly helps. And Evan Cooper, I mean, he's kind of, I would con- consider him a rule, like a lieutenant or a general for mm-hmm. rule. We we know what he can do. But no, I, I think the staff he's he's put together is important. Um, and I'm sure he's making, so he's going to make some off field moves, which which make things even better for, for Nebraska. And I, I, Mike, didn't he say that he wants to do a bunch of camps up there? Is that kind of his goal this <laughs> summer? He wants every kid that's ever existed in the state of Nebraska to get to be a Cornhusker for a day. So, I mean, his... He wants a, a really, a really aggressive camp uh, schedule. I'm, you know, curious and fascinated to see what my month of June might look like. Uh, I, I, the, the big thing is to me, just having watched it now through several different coaches, you can want to do camps trying to get the level of athlete that you want to that camp. You've got to be really aggressive when they are freshmen and sophomores because you're not going to get them as juniors and seniors to come out to Lincoln for a camp like they'll come to a game they'll come to the the spring game but they're not going to show up and run around and and do that kind of thing in lincoln nebraska very often anymore well you know i think those those and that's the style of camp that urban meyer made famous at at florida with the friday night lights and Mm -hmm. miami's got one with their i mean it was the legend showcase mario's kind of i don't know took an axe to it or, or whatnot uh, and then Florida State's got one, and, and Georgia used to have one, and Oregon's got a big one. I think those things have just turned into kind of like underclassmen showcase events, which I'm all here for, right? Yeah. So I hope at some point down the line, like I'm trying to ask you, how do I fly into to Lincoln for some type of Friday yeah. night event? And it's it's a bunch of top 20 or juniors and, and sophomores mm-hmm. from around the country because I think – they will have like a list of guys that we don't even know about and and, and they'll make it on my free fishing expedition for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Hey, Andrew, appreciate your time as always. You've always been a great guest for the various shows that have had you on. So there's no doubter to get you on the, the Husker 24 seven podcast here today to talk about Matt rule, uh, especially because like I said, it's, it's not just you. I mean, everyone in the network that I've <laughs> talked to is super excited about it. And then it feels like every subsequent hire, which these aren't, you know, you, you said it really well. These aren't necessarily like name brand assistant coaches that people in Nebraska are going to know of. But people in the in 24-7 sports, at least, you know, when, when Tony White got announced and five different analysts reached out and they're like, oh, you're going to love working with this guy. This guy's fantastic. Yeah. He puts the players first. People love him. 
you know, it's just been a lot of that. And uh, it's been really, really interesting um, that attitude compared to the last couple of years of the Scott Frost era of, uh, you know, kind of people calling you like, man, what the hell is going on in Lincoln? And just not really having a great answer for him. So uh, we'll see if, if Matt Rule can kind of sustain that fervor and excitement moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope I represented the the voice of the scouting community <laughs> well. Hey, here. you did a better job than I could. There's no doubt about <laughs> no. that. All right, everybody, we will be back with more Husker 24-7 content, uh, podcasts, all of that next week. Of course, be sure to check out everything at Husker 24-7 throughout the weekend. Nebraska is still trying to add a wide receivers coach that could be happening here, uh, even on Friday, perhaps over the weekend. And of course, big visit weekend as well. We'll have all of that coverage at Husker 24-7. Be sure to check that out. We'll catch you next time with the Husker 24-7 podcast.